Hi folks, this is Purva Bhadarao and welcome to the Sayrath Podcast. In Greek mythology, Sayrath is a personification of opportunity. So Sayrath is an open platform for students to share experiences in their field of interest and explore opportunities in order to make informed career and academic choices. Today we have with us Shivani Kamtikar who's a final year student of BTech IIT. She will be pursuing her masters in computer science uh, with an AI specialization at the University of Illinois Urbana Champaign. She received a teaching assistantship position at UIUC as well and she has completed an undergrad research internship at the University of Notre Dame after her third year of college. She is interested in machine learning and cognitive science and also completed a few projects in it. Today we'll hear about Shivani's research internship and learn everything there is to know about the GRE test and how to apply to US grad schools. Stay tuned for this and much more. Congratulations Shivani for getting accepted into the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign New York University University of Florida as well as University of Santa Barbara that's a great job Shivani congrats Thank you so much thank you Purva for having me here and just giving me this opportunity to talk about my experience um it feels great although i must tell you that i'm a bit nervous because i've never had someone record me while speaking so <laughs> please excuse me if i falter a bit oh that's absolutely okay oh, i i guess you're all learning here and <clears throat> we're very happy to have you on this podcast uh in this second ep- episode of the series podcast series so welcome thank to the you. podcast thank you yeah before we delve into your acceptance into all of these universities Could you tell us a little bit more about your research work at uh, University of Notre Dame USA last year? I would love to. Um I'll talk a little about the university itself. So, uh the University of Notre Dame is one of the top universities in the United States for research. They have a lot of great projects in the field of uh computer science, psychology, mathematics and a lot more subjects. Um I participated in one of their global ventures called iShore which is short for International Summer Undergraduate Research Experience. I served as a research intern for 8 weeks in the months of June and July in the year 2019. Oh. Um yeah so this was the first time uh something like this was taking place in our college and uh, I was really honored to be the first student to be sent on this venture. So was this were you like sent from our college? uh yes so our uh, university of notre dame had approached our college um had talked to our uh, uh, director uh, kambete ma'am uh, and they had asked um, our college to send one student uh, for a research internship and they wanted to see if uh, you know they could form some sort of collaboration with our college to send more students in the future oh i see that's great yeah So um Notre Dame is situated in Indiana state in the US and uh, in my program there were 13 students and I was the only one from India which was uh, scary but also <laughs> exciting. Yeah so I worked on a project titled statistical uh, social network analysis for behavioral research in the lab for big data methodology in the department of psychology. Wow that's a project fancy. was 
yeah it was really interesting <laughs> um it was particularly interesting because uh, it was something that i hadn't done before it was a completely different kind of project uh, mainly because it included a part of quantitative psychology something that uh, we don't really learn in our computer science degrees here right um so i worked on a research paper with my professor and a phd student so oh, that okay. was it uh, about the technical part but um, apart from that we took part in like various events such as scavenger hunts ice skating and stargazing we also went to chicago on um, like two occasions which was really exciting oh that's 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 superb how was your overall experience of you know traveling alone to the states and um it was great it was actually my first time uh, traveling to the states i had never been there before and i and generally i've never traveled uh, to a foreign country on my own so um overall the internship proved to be an extremely rewarding experience in terms of uh, technical as well as social and soft skills so i think it proved to be the biggest plus point while applying for uh, grad school oh yeah i i bet and what was your key takeaway from this experience uh the most important thing that i learned um from this experience is that is the kind of uh work these uh universities in the us do so usually these kinds of projects we don't get to see in our um, college lives or even in uh the internships we we do in companies so they have a very different uh take on research and solving day to day problems so i think that was the biggest difference that i found uh there and here Nice. So, um, why did you choose to pursue a master's degree in CS uh, after your uh, undergraduation, and why why choose to go immediately after graduating? Yeah. So I had always uh, wanted to do a master's right since uh, the second year of college. Of course, at that time I wasn't sure if I actually wanted to pursue it because I was interested in it, or I wanted to do it just for the sake of doing it. uh because you know it would look good on my resume yeah but uh after coming to the third year completing projects and courses and internships just reaffirmed my decision of doing a masters and uh by the end of third year after completing my internship in the US i knew for sure that i wanted to get another degree in the field of my interest and um the reason why i wanted to go immediately after my undergrad was because um i didn't want to take up an entry level job here when you uh because i wanted to able to choose the kind of work i would like to do and the kind of research i wanted to do right. usually when you take up a job after undergrad uh, you are stuck with a project or a team that they assign you you don't have that kind of liberty to uh, choose your work or choose your research but right. uh, after doing a masters or any grad level uh, course you usually do get that liberty and since um since i knew that i was interested in this uh, broadly like this field of artificial intelligence it just became it just made sense to do a specialization first and then go apply for for a job so right yeah that makes also, sense also yeah it it also happens that you know if some people they say that they would go after a few years and they just never get down to it because they get stuck in the whole cycle of yeah. jobs and salaries and then and then everything that comes with it yeah and you know just after you get a job switching back to academia is gets really difficult yeah i bet 
Yeah, right. so that was something I didn't want to do in like personally. Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. So uh, what was yeah. the general timeline of the application process and could you just give us an overview of the whole process that you followed right from, you know, deciding to uh, do a masters till getting accepted into a university. Right, yeah. Uh so like I said I decided to do a masters in my third year mostly like end of third year so um I started studying in the month of April before um, April 2019 before my uh, internship but due to my internship I had this like a uh, huge two month gap so I couldn't uh, like continue my GRE preparation and TOEFL preparation at that time but I resumed after I came back in the month of August um so there's a general timeline that universities and students follow of course a lot of aspects depend on the student's choice such as when to take the exams and when to start studying right um generally people start preparing for their uh, GRE TOEFL etc in the months of may or june depending on their comfort with the verbal and quantitative parts of us um so usually people complete their exams uh, including GRE TOEFL and IELTS by the end of september so that is how i did it um i gave my GRE in the month of september and uh, even my TOEFL and IELTS by the end of september so this is generally advised because a lot of universities have early admits uh, that commence in november and you definitely don't want to miss that right because right. um you must be knowing like the applications happen on a first come first basis so the earlier you fill out and submit your applications the higher chances of getting noticed right so that can be really helpful and uh, yeah so that was it about the exam part and uh, the next are your statement of purpose letters of recommendation and your resume and uh, so for this uh, you should have these ready by october end um again for the same reason that i mentioned earlier uh because you really want to catch those early admits right um, for me personally i started writing my statement of purpose and letters of recommendation by the end of september um like first week of october and finished them by the last week of october you do require like at least 2 3 weeks to write these because um statement of purpose is a really important part of your application and when you're giving uh, a letter of recommendation to your teachers to write they also like require some at least like 2 weeks to write these mm-hmm. stuff yeah. and uh, yeah i mean if you finish them early like by the last week of october it gives you sufficient time to make last minute changes in the sop depending on the university guidelines because almost all the universities have separate guidelines for their um, statement of purpose like the word limit or um, you know things that you should include in those um documents so give right. you time to just be ready with whatever they expect mm-hmm. okay. um yeah and the next in uh, the timeline comes your application process which essentially includes filling a long like 10 page application form for each university that you want to apply to um it is a very draining process and takes a lot of time energy and patience to fill out these application forms because they literally ask you everything right from your childhood like where do you live what does your father do and all of this stuff so yeah it's really tiring and i guess it's, <laughs> that is it is, the same uh, for uh, them or is it just for international students that's more hectic um 
it's more hectic for international students yeah <laughs> uh, a lot of universities ask for your passport details and citizenship and all of that as yeah, well yeah right right so i'm guessing it's more hectic for us and uh, this is the reason why they give you like 2 3 months to fill them out Mm-hmm. So application process begins in the month of November uh depends on the university of course all of them have a different uh timeline but mostly in the month of November December and um it goes on till February sometimes March again it depends on the university so um usually like this whole process takes around like 2 3 months but uh, i mean obviously you wouldn't need 2 months to actually fill out the form if you sit uh and just like do it in 2 3 days which is uh advisable because the earlier you fill out the earlier you can send those applications and you know just like sit and wait yeah 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 and i think like the last part of the timeline is the wait this is by far the most difficult part of the whole process <laughs> okay because uh, yeah everyone just talks about how difficult the exams are or how difficult writing sops are but uh, no one really talks about the time when you're desperately waiting for months to get an admit right and you know like constantly checking your emails all the portals but and you're really counting it on it, it right <laughs> Yeah, it really like every mail that comes in your inbox to like oh my god is this an admit or a reject? Yeah. And so, I bet like in the in the back of your mind like when you're uh, you know researching your universities you see those very fancy websites and the fancy campuses yeah. and the fancy <laughs> benefits you have plus the freedom you get yeah. and and that's that's there in the back of your mind and the doing exactly. doing that specialization and getting a degree is like all comes secondary after a point. <laughs> See, at least see, when, when you see those <laughs> yeah, yeah see that infrastructure the huge buildings and libraries and all of that you're just waiting to go there and start yeah. studying yes so um yeah okay so thank you for that uh, that was a that was a very great overview in a few minutes um yeah. it will be really helpful for people who want to do the same so um yeah. So this you said that you started your GRE prep in April. So how how much time does it like usually take to finish your preparation? And I guess you uh did the GRE prep on your own and didn't join any classes, right? Uh yeah. Uh for me personally, I I just didn't think that joining classes was uh uh worth it because the level of gre isn't that difficult it is just uh like time management fast thinking and learning a bunch of words that you never you'll never use in your entire life yes so, uh, i yeah. mean and the maths is something you can do easily because you've already done done those kind of questions in your uh 10th so that part was easy and that is the reason why i didn't think of joining classes and um for preparation i think 2 month of like a rigorous study is more than enough to get a decent score uh and by decent i mean uh 315 and above uh because for stem courses uh quantitative score is more important than verbal score and right. universities have uh, a higher cutoff per quant uh than for verbal so i guess 2 month of um, rigorous study is more than enough for this part okay by rigorous like how many approximately hours uh, did you put in um, per day okay so for me personally uh, giving a lot of mock tests really helped me out so uh, i mean actually this part is really tricky because there's no straight answer to this every right. person uh, you go to will give you different tips and tricks and tell you to study from uh, this book this website etc so i'll just tell you what i did and how i prepared for uh, gre 
yes. Okay, hoping that it will be helpful for, for someone. That's the whole aim um, of Serious. We just want yeah. people to share what they did so that, you know, we can glean whatever applies to us. So feel free right. to share your experience because it's yours and maybe it won't be relevant to someone else, but we'll definitely learn something from it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, uh, personally, giving a lot of mock tests uh, really helped me out. I cannot stress enough on the importance of giving mock tests. Um, mock tests really help you get familiarized with the environment that you will face on the test day. And uh, most uh, important part is that you're going to be there for four hours and you're, you're, you are going to be switching between one section of analytical writing, two sections of quant, uh, two sections of verbal reasoning and one unscored section. Yeah. So you need to get comfortable with this back and forth. And we're not used to this, you know, just like, okay, half an hour solving maths and then half an hour switching to vocabulary and all of that. Right. And the only way of getting comfortable with this is by giving a lot of mock tests. Um, so that was something that really helped me. Uh, I had purchased a test series from Manhattan Prep after having exhausted all the free resources available online. So uh, this was really helpful for me and I would say that this is more useful than just practicing random questions from books. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, one more thing that proved to be really helpful for me personally was to do a sort of error analysis after each test. Um, this, uh, you won't find this kind of tips online because this is something that I like did personally for myself because um in the beginning like when i was giving mock tests i couldn't understand why i was going wrong in some like similar type of questions and why i was doing good in other type of questions so doing like this error analysis really helped me understand my strengths and weaknesses so i used to just uh note down all the questions that i went wrong in and just try to understand a pattern Mm-hmm. And uh, while practicing, I used to focus more on these type of questions rather than the questions that I was usually good at. So mm-hmm. um, because yeah. of this, this really helped me actually. Uh, I started doing this error analysis after one month of studying. So I did notice a huge change and um, change and improvement in my score in the mock test. So this kind of targeted study really helps uh, as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a very good tip to, you know, analyze the type of questions you're going wrong in and yeah. yeah I mean I have done it on some occasions and it does does help you get a better insight and right. uh, you know direct your studying accordingly yep and uh, for vocab um, I would advise anyone who is preparing to give GRE to practice at least 10 words every day uh, this is important because the kind of vocabulary used in the exam is not what we use in daily life yeah. So you cannot sit for the exam with the vocabulary we you have currently because um I mean we they won't ask you like very normal words they'll ask you very cryptic words that you've hardly heard in your entire life yeah and yeah, uh, heard that yeah uh because like learning new words is really important and not just learning uh you need to be like comfortable with those words. So what I used to do was I used to try using them in my day-to-day lives. And that was really funny because my parents used to just be like, what what, what are you saying? Like, we really don't understand <laughs> what you're trying to say. But uh, that really helps. You just get comfortable with those words. People around you don't, but at least you get comfortable. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I can Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine how that must come out. You know, like speaking yeah. your the way you write your GRE tests and then exactly. the same thing in 
with your parents yeah but that's a very um, good tip like uh, you know just yeah, yeah. reading flashcards is not enough i feel i mean yeah you you forget those after a while yeah you definitely do forget so i think like putting them in some sentences and just incorporating them in your day to day life helps you at least retain that uh, knowledge that you learned right um i practice from baron's high frequency words book uh, it is a great book actually which has all the words that are generally seen on every gre exam oh okay. um usually i mean you can't um expect to learn all those words they use but uh, these kind this uh, baron's high frequency words really and uh, there's one app called as quizlet so both these resources were what i used and they have a lot of high frequency words that are usually seen like 90% of the time you can see at least four of these words um on the gre test which is great because um even if you practice those high frequency words you are able to solve at least 60% of the vocab questions okay so that's that's, uh, that's good enough good, yeah yeah that's good enough um and i know that it's really impossible to do all the words that are being asked in the exam but um you can definitely do these at least these high frequency words too at least like sail across the vocab part of it yeah yeah which i think is the most dip- difficult part of uh, verbal right yeah and uh, uh like for uh, awa um which is the analytical writing part um i used to read some like uh, articles i used to read the new yorker so okay. like being in the habit of reading complex articles uh, really helps you in your comprehension as well as your awa because uh, that is the kind of language that is generally being used so if you read these kind of articles um i used to read new yorker but i'm not sure like there must be more of these articles online right, and i right. should definitely check them out and um, the language is pretty similar to the language used in the exam and uh, yeah so it was really it was helpful because um after reading these these articles and all um i got a score of 5 in my awa which put me in the 93rd percentile oh that's so, great a score of 5 yeah, is great in analytical writing yeah so after reading these articles uh you get in the habit of uh, you know writing like that and imitating how they write and the kind of thinking they do so that really helps so mm-hmm. that is something so, that yeah yeah so uh so So did you so when you're studying did you like um give uh, significantly more preference to verbal and AWA in terms of the um hours you put in the study hours that you put in together Um yes I actually gave more uh, time for my verbal uh, like the comprehension part and just learning words and all because uh, while giving mock tests I uh, realized that I was doing poorly in the comprehension part right. because uh, they're really tricky like um, the questions are really tricky so i just yes, thought that maybe some of those yeah <laughs> yeah i mean they want it it is they just check your critical thinking and uh, your you know hold grasp on the language as well right and yeah so so even even the options are very similar to each other they're very similar yeah so uh, i gave more time to just trying to analyze these kind of questions right thank you thank you for those tips um pretty yeah, sure no <laughs> i mean even though you said like it is what you followed personally i'm pretty sure that it's universally applicable i'm i'm really glad if i can help even one person with this information 
So um, you you said that you gave the took the TOEFL and IELTS exams as well. So, uh, yes. is it compulsory to take uh, these tests, or like how? Why did you decide to take those? Um, it is not compulsory to take both the tests, but you have to take at least one um English language uh test. Okay. It is compulsory for universities. At least one of them. Um, I gave both because I was like, if I don't get a good score in one, then I can like give the other, just substitute as a substitute. Right. So that That's is why I gave strategy. both the exams. Yeah. Yeah. And both of them are very similar and they're pretty easy. They're not that difficult to crack. So, uh, okay. you can just study for one exam in TOEFL and then give the other exam just like simultaneously. Okay, I see. So how did you yeah. prepare for the for these? Um, so for TOEFL, first of all, researching about the format is very important because they changed the format recently. Actually, they changed it last year, the year that I was giving my exam. Oh. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So first, researching about um, the, like, you know, the format and the sections and the time given allotted for each section is important because they usually keep on changing them year after year. So it's good to be aware of all the changes that they're making. Right. And um, for TOEFL, I did a lot of speaking, writing, and listening practice on YouTube. There are a lot of uh, resources available on YouTube, and they're really, really great. Um, there is a whole track by a channel called uh, Noteful and E2. So these two channels are really great: uh, Noteful TOEFL and uh, E2 TOEFL. Oh. So they have a lot of practice tests and questions. Um, they give you a lot of speaking formats in detail. I use the same format in the exam as well because uh, it is the one that is most recommended. I see. So, yeah, even for writing, you can use this format because uh, that it will also give you like a good score. And uh, doing all these like videos religiously really um, helped me crack the exam because, um, like I said, the uh, level of language used in the exam is not as high as GRE. They don't use such. Uh, cryptic vocabulary and cryptic like answers but okay. uh, definitely like practice is needed so that you get just get like familiarized with uh, speaking in the given like stipulated time and writing in that time and all of that yeah i so, guess these uh, tests are uh, like judge you more from the language standpoint than yeah, the yeah. thinking standpoint yeah thinking yeah definitely and uh, for me personally the reading section was the toughest because it gets really exhausting after reading so much off a screen after a yeah. point you just really tired and just you know reading and like um, marking question uh, answers but uh, the rest of the sections go by smoothly and uh, yeah uh, for the listening part i would suggest that taking a lot of notes always helps so that you don't miss out on any point because um, sometimes they speak really fast and uh, because of that you tend to miss out on some points and you might not re- remember it later while marking um, answers right. so taking notes always helps out in the exam oh is, is that allowed and yeah you're, you're allowed to uh, take notes you're given given like a paper rough paper and pencil right. so you can just take notes while uh, the person is speaking right we we have actually you know we have no idea how this is going to go now you won't be so things are going to change a lot like you know they have yeah. now GRE no, but, from um, home yeah uh, but TOEFL is online so uh, even the speaking and um, listening and all of that is online only okay, so you will have like a similar format yeah yeah probably yeah 
yeah. they just have to make sure about you know the because i'm i'm pretty sure that these uh, exams are you know outsourced to testing centers in india and yeah, i've heard yeah. these testing centers are really fancy with you know um, like every desk having a camera and then yeah, they yeah, like they, check you in you you can't carry do, anything yes. inside <laughs> you can't carry so, and the checking is so strict yeah I've, they they actually have those um, sensors and all that they use in airports yeah it's so <laughs> yes. it's like you have a bomb or something yes my my brother gave the sats recently and he was telling me how how, how strict they are and then taking that into consideration it will be uh, something new when they are going to you know take Definitely. all tests from home so yeah. probably the patterns are going to change so it's better to be updated change, yeah yeah exactly so we should like keep on the be on the lookout for whatever format changes they have yeah yeah is uh, yeah and uh, for ielts i think um, so after you register for the exam they give you this book and a cd for practice uh, okay. they like just co- courier you this book um, and a cd and it has all the instructions and everything in it it is pre- uh, pretty accurate and detailed so i just practiced from that um, actually i gave my um, toefl and ielts consecutively so i didn't study much for my ielts because i had already done uh, study for my toefl and it wasn't it is difficult uh, it is different from each other but the level is the same so i didn't have to actually do a lot of uh, practice for my ielts i just did the that book and it was enough to get me an expert level score on the test oh that's great so that is, yeah and uh, you gave these tests in uh, in around, around september itself right yeah september end both these tests i gave in and 22nd like, september something yeah oh okay and like gre do they have like multiple test dates and centers uh yeah yeah they have uh, multiple test dates multiple centers that you can choose from uh usually i mean the test centers in pune are always full oh so okay i might have to go to mumbai <laughs> yeah right or 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 book early yeah book early <laughs> definitely nice so so what do you what how would you uh you know give importance to toefl and what's the importance of a good toefl score in your application um yeah so see a lot of people don't give emphasis to toefl because they think it is just a preliminary cut off examination from for international students um while this may be true toefl is extremely important if you aspire to take up a teaching or research assistantship uh tas and ras really help you finance your studies and to get that position you need to have an above average toefl score uh, right. so for admission you need this cut off toefl score but for getting a ta or ra you need uh, there is a different cut off for these positions so if you get above those cut off you are you are um, eligible to apply for a teaching assistantship or a research assistantship and um, these two positions are really important to finance your um, education for your masters or even if you're going for phd and uh, so i would really advise someone giving this exam to not take it lightly uh, right. i was lucky to have received a ta position at my uni and this really helps me finance my education whenever i start my semester so in my university whoever receives a ta um, or an ra position they get their complete tuition fee waived off so which is yeah, great yeah. because that's a lot of uh, money you're spending on tuition that is actually the main expense yes so that really really helps you like finance your education better definitely and i guess i guess all almost all universities in the us follow this pattern like if you are an yeah, ra yeah, they do. your tuition 
is generally ripped off or at least yeah. a significant portion of significant amount yeah definitely yeah thanks for that tip i mean i i didn't know about this i i actually personally thought that you know toefl is just a cut off for and an english language requirement um yeah. moreover uh, some of the universities don't need it even for international students like if you can yeah. prove that you know you come from an english speaking school english speaking yeah yeah like from throughout your child like throughout your school life you have learned in an english speaking school and have completed your college in english uh, medium as well then you probably don't need that either but right. but this is a definitely helpful tip and yeah worth taking into consideration yeah yes definitely so um which uh, how many universities did you apply to which ones and why these only um so i applied to 10 universities um okay. i applied to carnegie mellon uh, university of illinois urbana champaign uh, princeton university cornell new york university university of california uh, los angeles georgia tech uh, usc which is university of southern california mm-hmm. university of florida and university of um, california santa barbara so oh. these were the 10 universities i applied to and um, I got accepted in UIUC, NYU, UFL, and UCSB, and uh, USC has actually waitlisted me. It's July, and <laughs> they have still kept me on waitlist. So right, this is how long it takes for them to actually give out admits. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I have decided to join UIUC because um, it ranks fifth in computer science and third in AI, oh, and uh, wow. also like it is one of the top thirty universities in the world, and it has a really and it has like really great passionate professors and some really mind blowing research projects i was really impressed with the kind of uh, projects they are doing because uh, you know while you are researching for universities and all you do have to look into these um, aspects mm-hmm. so while looking at the university i really i was really impressed by the kind of projects uh, they're doing there they're pretty good well funded also Right. So and of course the infrastructure is amazing. I mean all I think all the US universities have great infrastructures. Um, yeah, that's so that's that just they charge you for it. That's a common thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They charge you loads for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So especially I mean, international students. Yeah, so we totally deserve to exploit that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but jokes aside, um how did you go about researching all of the universities? Like, you know, there's so many options to choose from and there are very good universities with uh good research funding so uh, right. how would you na- how did you narrow down to these 10 that you applied for um this part can be really confusing and time consuming because every university you know at a first glance every university seems great so you go to some uh, university's website and you see that uh, okay amazing ranking good professors and you know placement record is good and all but uh, you can't really apply to a uh, lot of universities because that's just a waste of resources mm-hmm. and applying to too le- too few uh, universities would just decrease your chances of getting an admit right so i just found like 10 as the magic number and um, there are just like certain factors that are most important while selecting what universities to apply to mm-hmm. and um, one of the main very obvious factors is ranking of the university um so ranking in the program that you are applying for and also uh, it's ranking in the specific field of interest uh, field of research that you're interested in right so for example um i was applying for masters in computer science and ai specialization 
सो आई चेक द रैंकिंग फॉर बोथ ऑफ दिस आई चेक द रैंकिंग फॉर कंप्यूटर साइंस मास्टर्स एज वेल एज ए आई स्पेशलाइजेशन बिकॉज मोर ऑफन दैन नॉट दिस हैपन्स दैट योर यूनिवर्सिटी मी हैव अ गुड रैंकिंग इन कंप्यूटर साइंस बट इट मे नॉट हैव दैट ग्रेट ऑफ अ रैंकिंग इन दैट रिसर्च दैट यू वॉन्ट टू गेट इन सो चेकिंग बोथ दीज रियली हेल्प यू यू नो नैरो डाउन योर लिस्ट एट फर्स्ट यू हैव दीज लाइक थर्टी थर्टी यूनिवर्सिटीज लिस्ट एंड देन you just have to like narrow it down to 10 so this helps you do that yeah and um, another aspect is department funding so um i feel like personally that having a high uh, department funding is really essential um in getting you a research assistantship or a teaching assistantship because um when a department has a lot of funding this essentially implies that a lot of companies and universities are invested in the projects carried out by the university right so this also means that the university has a big name in the market because otherwise it wouldn't have that kind of funding mm-hmm. so there's also a good way of deciding what university to uh, choose from and how do you come to know about uh, their funding okay so um this all of this like information is available on their website so okay. you can uh, look for the kind of professors um they have mm-hmm. the kind of projects they are doing and the field of um you know the professors in your field of interest right so um you can generally find all of this information on the website like there are um dif- like it definitely takes a lot of time because uh, you need to like search for it on the website but uh, it is definitely helpful and definitely you should do it but um uh yeah i mean like having good professors and uh, really matters because it helps you choose your thesis topic in your masters you are required to do a thesis so if there are good if there are good professors then you have more scope of uh, getting a good thesis topic and if there are limited professors then you know you have just limited scope in your thesis so right right this information is already available on uh, their website so mm-hmm. these that things should be checked out yeah yeah and i guess even the overall university Uh, ranking how much does that matter because as far as i know that you know you have these qs rankings or university rankings but usually i think that you know they these rankings are also paid to some extent yeah yeah so if you if you go online and just uh, see the rankings there are so many websites and most yeah. of them are um, most of them are paid and you can actually make make that out because you know some universities that you've never heard of are on like fifth ranking or sixth ranking yeah 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 so it really doesn't make sense but uh, there are some good um, good ranking uh, websites one mm-hmm. is cs ranking and the other is um, yeah, i'm just not sure uh i think it is like cs ms or something like that the name is like that but cs ranking is a good website um, mm-hmm. it focus this uh, website focuses on these uh, aspects that i was talking about they focus on department funding projects and professors okay. and right. they give uh, give weights to each universities based on these factors so right. this universe this uh, website like university ranking website is really reliable i did check this out for uh, before deciding to apply to universities right right yeah that, that's good. Uh, also one more um, yeah uh, mm-hmm. also one more uh, factor i just forgot um while check while uh, shortlisting your universities uh placement records is extremely important because uh, and especially placement records for international students right so a lot of uh, universities have good placement records but only for american citizens so like 
to being sure to check out the placement records for international students is important and um, this website is also available on their uh, so, sorry this information is also available on their website they have this um they are uh, actually these universities are required to put all their placement uh, records on their website for in, for everyone to see so mm-hmm. they ha- they usually have all the records with them like how many international students were placed and in what companies and all so this is really important because uh, we we usually just say that oh this university is good and it has a good placement record but more so than not it happens that uh, for international students it's not true lot of uh, companies don't recruit international students yeah i mean i've so. seen a lot of international students struggling like right from like they they enter their uh, semester and right from day one they start looking for internships and still yeah. by the time it's summer they have not not gotten it yeah so i think it's so, a it's a pretty competitive market for international is, students <laughs> competitive market yeah mostly because like companies are not ready to sponsor h1b and all of that so yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> and and now yeah. like after the pandemic i think all of these norms are going to change and whatever yeah, was definitely. the scene till now is not going to we can't really extrapolate on that data anymore so we so can't, like, like seriously your batch yeah. and maybe my batch is going to be like you know the we're going to experiment with whatever <laughs> very different pro natal yeah. yeah definitely yeah so and so you said that you know the application had your uh, recommendation letters your sops your test scores yeah. and everything so what do universities like like to see in your application and what do they give more weightage towards um so universities see this one distinguishing factor that would uh, differentiate you from like the thousands of applicants such as you who are trying for the same program Mm-hmm. so um this could be anything you know your internship your publication uh project or some grant that you've received for your project or um some competition that you've won like national level or state level that you've won um or your gpa as well so um this could be anything that one thing that would just put you apart from all of your peers and um your gre and gpa scores do play an important role in the selection but it's definitely not the only criteria for universities to select a candidate um for universities such as princeton uh, cornell etc the gre requirements were quite high uh, right. so at least uh, when i was applying they had this um, quantitative score uh, 165 as the cutoff for quantitative and um for verbal i think it was 160 so it is pretty high right and um, for uiuc i think the requirement was around 164 for quant and 157 and above for verbal if i'm not wrong yeah that's um, still quite com- competitive but yeah okay <laughs> it is and uh, so these requirements are uh, usually not mentioned explicitly by the universities um, mm-hmm. some universities do provide a range on their websites but uh, majority of the universities don't uh, i think princeton does have this very explicitly written on their website So, yeah, they probably uh, get a did... buttload of applications. Yeah, they do. <laughs> like if you if you if you don't fit in with the score, just keep out. Yeah, just don't don't bother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think like to get this kind of information, you need to ask your seniors or uh, go on websites such as Yorket, Prep Scholar, and Magush. These websites are really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. they use the data from previous admits uh, to give you the GRE cut cutoffs. Yeah, so, so you can have, just like, like a... give you some yeah idea. 
and uh, yeah so i think to get into one of the top universities a score of 320 and above uh, should do it because uh, i mean obviously this is very subjective to the university uh, some universities such as carnegie mellon don't even accept uh, gre scores above 330 or something i mean wow. obviously yeah. carnegie mellon right yeah. uh, ranks first yes so i mean they deserve it but yeah. uh, obviously this is a subjective thing but um, 330 and above like aim for 330 320 and above sorry and uh, it should like do it and uh, yeah so apart from gre and uh, gpa sop is uh, like one of the most important aspects of your applications because um, it is the only thing that you have full control over you know you can have the same gre score uh, as some other student but you would never have the same sop right so um, you can like you know make it as interesting and as different as possible and that have... is really yeah yeah sorry, sorry. no please go on sorry sorry to interrupt <laughs> uh, no that, i was just saying that uh, you know like write about um, you just be like creative and descriptive in your sop just write about what you learned all these years what you want to learn during your masters and how you would utilize your masters degree in your career so these three points uh, should be there in your sop because this is what universities usually usually check so mm-hmm. they check like your future goals and how you'll utilize that degree you know why you're doing that degree like why you're doing a masters and all of that right so uh, this will really like help you stand out from your peers and you know you just have to think in a way that like this university suppose you're applying to some university and this university is deciding between you and some student from iit bombay with a gpa of 9.5 yeah. so why should this university <laughs> choose you yeah just think in that way yeah definitely i mean you need those differentiators like like at least students who don't have the university undergrad university stamp hmm. so i guess we need like to find different differentiators and as far as i know the applications are evaluated pretty holistically but yeah uh, and to give you an edge over the other so called tier 1 uh, institutes in our country yeah uh, these probably the other factors are more important more important yeah and how how much would you give weight to the gpa like what's a good gpa maybe in our college specifically let's not talk about other colleges okay uh, so again this part is very uh, is really subjective um it depends on the university so some universities um i'll just give you an example uh, university of southern california mm-hmm. they give a lot of weightage to gpa so they'll give like 70% weightage to gpa and rest 30% on your projects sops uh, gre etc so they rely a lot on your gpa so during my time like when uh, they were giving out admits uh, for my batch they um, their first round was giving ad, uh, in their first round they were giving admits to students who received a gpa of 9.8 and above which is crazy wow. <laughs> i mean yeah. who receives yeah. a 9.8 gpa and in engineering especially that's, that's a very that's a very weird thing to do as well because everybody follows at least in india if you see there's no uniform ranking system like some It's have exactly. absolute ranking uh, absolute grading scheme some have a uh, relative grading scheme relative, on top of that def- some yeah. have that 0 2 4 6 8 scheme some have a yeah. continuous 0 to 10 and that's <laughs> that's pretty weird to hear so uh, so do they tell you these st- statistics when you apply uh no they don't um so you get to know these on 
like websites like yorket and for your seniors you know seniors who've been admitted to these universities or even yeah. other universities so they do get this like inside information mm-hmm. but um so so like i said for uh, universities such as usc gpa plays a huge role but for yeah. uh, most of the universities like 90% of the universities gpa just uh, plays like i don't know 30% weightage i would give 30% weightage to gpa Okay. it is not the most important but definitely it is a quantitative score so they do require like some quantitative quantitative scores such as gre or gpa to like analyze you and like the next candidate mhm so maybe and say a threshold of 9 for our college yeah 8.5 plus or 8.5 i think 8.5 and above is good yeah gpa because see some colleges have these uh, relative grading scale. So yeah yeah like bits uh, bits planning yeah even i think iit bombay has it and yeah. so those folks the toppers do end up getting like 10 uh, spis right and so uh, some iit kanpur has this other scheme called uh, which has like 02468 uh, ranking mm-hmm. so so people get uh, grades only like it's some kind of a bracket system not very okay. well versed with it but but through that some people uh, who may have gotten 9 end up getting either a 8 or a 10 directly there's no 9 grade oh okay yeah. so so there's That's a lot right. of uh, irregularity there so it's it works in within the university but i don't know how the um, like uh, grad schools really normalize the scores in uh, on their end actually what they do is um so this is something that I had that i had asked uh, my professor from uiuc after getting admitted um mm-hmm. so they said that when you uh, so when you apply for uh, when you like fill out fill out the application form you give your transcripts you upload your transcripts and it has all the credits and everything for all the subjects that you've taken Right. So they put those credits um in their like system. So they have this formula for uh GPA and all of that. And okay. they put that uh, put those credits and like what uh the grades that you uh received in those uh in that system and they calculate your GPA. So I think okay. that is how they calculate for everyone and you know sort of normalize all those like irregularities yeah. that we have probably probably or maybe yeah. they just look at a few key uh courses that That yeah, yeah, common yeah. across a common. program and then calculate on that. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Yes. So coming to the end of the podcast. So this is a question, ah, uh, for our listeners. So what advice would you give to your juniors? And you know how how can they build a relevant profile and a strong profile, ah, uh, and for the grad for grad schools, and how can they focus on these aspects during their uh, four years of undergraduate um i guess just focus on gaining a lot of experience in every way you can so uh, do internships uh, preferably research internships if you're applying for grad school uh, because grad school is all about research yeah. so that matters a lot and uh, just completing projects on your own uh, that show that you're capable of working independently which is really the gist of grad school you know in in when you go to uh, for a masters program or a phg program you are expected to uh, be working on your own to find out new ideas to find out new projects and do a thesis on your own so if you're um, capable of working independently uh, that that really helps so you can you know showcase this by doing 
projects on your own or just um research papers also give uh research papers also give you an edge over the other applicants so if you can do that that is amazing so i uh, personally i did not have a published research paper when i applied i had one uh, in the making so if you have a published research paper that is amazing even if you have a publication in a local journal that's completely fine mention that in your uh, resume and your statement of purpose mm-hmm. and um, getting good recommendation letters um, that's also a very important part of your application so be in the good books of your teachers because uh, that helps you get a good uh, letter of recommendation and um, yeah so uh, and like i had mentioned before uh, try to have that one distinguishing factor on your profile something that just like stands out it could be anything your gpa internship grant etc to just yeah. uh, focus on gaining skills and just learning you know just keep on learning new things and gaining a lot of experience that is i think the main part and uh, and you know there's not like a set list of things that you should do to get a good university it's more about your conviction and how you put your like, greatest strengths forward so yeah yeah that's the that's the main yeah. part like no matter what that's the main do, part <laughs> conveying and communicating that in the end is what exactly matters yeah. but you know like this question is basically because um we have uh juniors and you know what happens at least in india is most of the students uh do the j uh jee preps in 11 12 and have this yeah. really intense uh two years <laughs> and yeah. and then they enter college and as freshers and everybody it's a new atmosphere altogether for everyone no matter which college they are in and right. and they just want to it's it's a relief in in some sense and not many are know what to do after you enter college so right really yeah. that was the case with me as well like the yeah. first two years i was so clueless as to what to do and yeah what to focus on so. exactly but But you know, I think anything with the right guidance and you know knowing how to, uh, knowing how things work after th- that point, they can get an edge above others by you know starting yeah, early. So you know doing yeah. these research projects even with our college faculty, like I'm sure there are at least a few who uh, conduct uh, active research, and maybe you can do yeah, a yeah, small definitely. project to start with, and then go yeah, for you know, you know these international. Program. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even doing a small project just gives you an idea about like how to go on, you know, go on doing more projects. So even if you're doing a small one, you can understand, you can know yourself better, know what you work with better, and how exactly. you would like to work. So that's also helpful. And you know, getting this guidance from uh, seniors is really important because uh, for my batch, we never had any any sort of interactions because our batch the our batch was the first autonomous batch. So we had no clue. We couldn't talk to any seniors. So yeah. it's definitely helpful to you know talk to someone going through the same thing as you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Shivani. Thanks for the wonderful tips that you've given us, and I'm sure. Thank you for we, having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we wouldn't have gotten them anywhere else. So thanks for the insider info, and no I guess problem. we'll see you soon. And we. Wish you all the best for your uh, grad school and Thank whatever you. Thank you, so much. you have in store for the future. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me. This is Purva from Cedrus. Stay tuned to the podcast series. We'll meet again soon. Thank you.
This is just a note to the listeners. About 10 to 12 minutes from the end of the podcast, um, you'll probably hear this ding, ding, ding when I'm speaking. I'm not really sure where that's coming from, but I'm quite an amateur at um, editing audio. Um, I hope I get better. Sorry about that. Stay tuned to the podcast.